Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. You get into these these situations and that any normal person would be like, I this is I, I'm just gonna either live here or die, and that's it. We're done. But at some point you're going like, oh no, we, we just keep on moving and you keep on getting through and you figure out how to do it, and all of a sudden everything's a whole lot easier. Okay. You people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. And if we're not back by dawn, call the president. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the Dark Zone Adventure Racing Podcast. This is your host, Brian Gatins. Today's episode is with John Crane of the New York Adventure Racing Association. He tells us all about their premier event, The Longest Day, coming up this August. What kind of race it is, how to get ready for it. He tells his own stories. Um, we dive right into the conversation. And uh, it's about 10 minutes in before we even mention his name and the podcast and what we're doing and why we're here. But John is a great listen. A lot of fun, loves adventure racing, loves the whole dynamic. In this episode, we go deep talking about what we learn from AR, how it makes us a better person, how it prepares us for life. We're delighted that you're here, so thank you for joining The Dark Zone. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by the United States Adventure Racing Association, USARA.com. It is the winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, but your training should be right around the corner, if not in the thick of it, and races are soon to follow. Be sure to check out usara.com's website to see all the upcoming races. We are delighted, once again, that you have chosen to join the Dark Zone. You have a lot of ways to spend your time and attention, and we are glad that you are here. Feel free, as always, to send a message or a thought to brian at ardarkzone.com. That's B-R-I-A-N and ardarkzone.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with John Corain of Naira. The famous story of like of like race directors that plan out race courses and talk about them out loud and sell races mm, nope. and kind of forget to make certain that the permitting authorities are fully informed. I mean, that's why like the like, it's tough to do this right without having like a big group of people mm -hmm. who can like have input over time and take the time necessary to do this because you're not making right. any money on it, right? No. So it's no. like slow go it right plan far in advance mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be i mean i'm doing this with two kids full-time job because it's been done for three years you know what i mean when you look at race directors right and you look at the industry and you look at who's doing it there are there are very few race directors that that is all that they do you look at you you're a good example of that right you're 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 i call them citizen race directors this entire sport is 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 fueled by people who love the sport and who put their time into it yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else like it, right? I mean, right. no, like, I, I, I mean, besides Eric toying around with pack rafting, which is just a kind of a sister sport to this, it's right. like in the world of like high quality, difficult athletic events, um, this is the most grassroots thing that's held the test of time. Well, I can well, imagine. Well, well, think about it, right? Think, on, on, think about the length of the races that we do. Right. Six hour race, seven hour race, 12, 24, 36 hour race, five day race. Think about the people who plan those races that while there are people who do this for a living, that is their job. There are no there are very few 
race directing organizations. That's all that they do, where there's an office and cubicles and, you know, Tommy's in charge of permitting and Sally's in charge of maps. Like we're all just, we're citizen race directors who love the sport, love talking about it, love doing it and love putting them on. And the only not fun part is permitting. Like that's it. Yeah, Everything yeah. else about the, the process is awesome. Right, right, right. And I, oh, I've already hit recording. So for those who are out there who, who are in charge of giving us permits, we love you very much. You guys so, are great. Land managers, you're the best. You want a we t-shirt, you want a cap, they're all yours. Whatever you need. We, <laughs> that's we, we that's are, all we got. We're grateful for your presence. But I have to tell you, like, it, rare do we find, though, the well-run event that is not invited back. Oh, we, for sure. We do a good job. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. He's yeah. got to get past that first door. I remember I, I, this race specifically, I, I can talk about it because we're not going there. But we had one one park where the folks had been like, what the heck are you guys doing? Right, right. And I'm like, right. oh, no, we're doing ABCD. And this park itself had actually hosted like big orienteering events like mm-hmm. World Championship. Mm-hmm. And they, they've just simply forgot that it happened. Right, right. Um, and I was like, oh, no, no, you guys have done this. You guys have done this. And they're like, no, this is too dangerous. Like, yeah. Who's who, how many people die? I'm like, yeah. well, we get like scratch corneas, but no one right. dies. Like it's right. get the best people in the world out here. Well, and, and, that, and that is so, that is so dependent upon the, the, uh, the right, the land manager, right? There's a, there's a park not far from where I live. And I don't want to mention the park because I'm trying to get a relationship going with them, but I want to put an event on there. It is, it is primed. It's beautiful. I tried to, I tried to do a pack rafting event. They have it inside their their rules that you can only launch onto the water from docks, which is a very good rule when it comes to regular boats. But it's a it's a killer for a pack rafting race because yeah. there's seven or eight great lakes inside that park. There's a lot of tough terrain. It'd be a fantastic race. Do a road game style. Pick your travel. Pick all that sort of stuff. And I just can't get past the idea that we're doing it differently. You know what the the clincher for me? I mean, I remember sell, trying to sell these guys and had a room full of people who were just like, nope, 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 nope. And I was trying to describe what it is we're doing, and uh, they just wasn't catching. I'm like, do you guys want to see what we do? And they're like, yeah, yeah. There's one guy. One guy was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool, and he was the safety guy. Um, and uh, I, I I came prepped to to show him the uh, the ARWS like what is adventure racing mm-hmm. four minute video. Mm-hmm. And like that little sliver of time is like, oh, it changed everyone's mind. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, this seems okay. Like you're just walking around the woods. Like, yeah, it's not that fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's and, you, that- and you would argue, and, and I've made this point to 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 race uh, to, to land managers and to other people that a, a well-run adventure race with adventure racers is is probably multiple times more more safe than a regular citizen making access to a public land. Like we have some first aid training, we have the gear, we have the map and the compass, we're team based. Like, so even though it feels more dangerous, it's actually a safer event. It's safer than a summertime 5K. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a really good way of saying it. Right? That's a really good way of putting it. All these weekend warriors are going to come out, get dehydrated, and flop on the ground. But exactly. But not our guys. Yeah. Not yeah. our guys and girls. We had that experience when we were in, in Scotland this year racing um, Itera. We were on the uh, Iona Island. They had brought us across there in the first pedal. It was like, a, it was like a, a 10K paddle to to an island. And then you had, a, you, had a, you had a punch there and you had to go to the Isle of Mull. And one of the race captains asked about the um, the safety boat being on the water. And the race director said, yes, there's an absolute safety boat out there. But keep in mind, the reason why you're teams of four, two boats per team, and the reason why you're you're told to stay within 15 meters of each other is that you're each other's safety boat. You I, I kind of 
of like night paddling. I'm not gonna yes. lie. I'd rather be. It'd rather be three in the morning because it feels like you're on the moon or just floating right. in space. It's a different scenario. And I have like you know spent a lot of time not night paddling in races. Right. And then you know the last three or four years when I've been doing them, I've had these night paddles. I'm like, oh, this is like I like yeah. this better. Especially if there's groups of teams on the water and they all have glow sticks on their boats, and you feel like <laughs> you feel like you're all Martians yeah, your way awesome. through the water. Great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, 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 now that we've we've been chatting for ten minutes, we should tell the listener who you are and why you're here. When you talk about adventure areas of the world. You talk about Colorado and you talk about the Alps and you talk about South America and you talk all these things. Rarely is the term New York associated with endurance sports, adventure racing. But today on the podcast, we have John Corrine of the New York Adventure Racing Association, who's going to tell us about Naira, a great legacy organization. I'm closely affiliated with them, proud to be a member of Naira. He's going to talk about the longest day, which is the return of their premier race coming out this year. So, John, welcome to the Dark Zone. Welcome to the podcast. Let's begin. Tell us all about the longest day. When's the race? Where is it? What's going on there? Sure. Uh, so August 12th and 13th of the days we picked out, um, it's going to be in the beautiful state of New York. It's a big, big place. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned no one thinks New York adventure capital of the world, but there's just so much open space here. And the diversity of terrain is unreal. Um, and, and I spent a lot of my early years doing this kind of in the eastern side of the state. A lot of Catskills racing, a lot of uh, Hudson Valley stuff, which is awesome because it's, you know, um, really drastic terrain, a lot of up and down, a lot of big rivers. Um, you know, those Catskill mountains are always pretty formidable. And um, just in the past, you know, five, six years, I ended up moving out to the western side of the state, um, starting off in Rochester and now out here near Syracuse. And it was like a time to explore brand new stuff. So I spent a lot of my time just kind of moving around state parks where what's going on here. There's a lot of great orienteering organizations, uh, you know, a lot of fast mountain bike terrain and um, kind of putting this place together and, and um, finding out which parks would work and which which land areas could actually make a big time race uh, was a lot of fun. And so, and so Western New York and, and New York City and the east part of New York kind of pull a lot of the oxygen out of the conversation about New York State. Western New York sits above central Pennsylvania. And there are those bands of mountains that go there. And, and we know that Rootstock Racing has the Endless Mountains, which is this year coming out of Williamsport. It's the same rough geographical area. And, and I think the same thing may be true for the longest day is, is true we see in other races is that adventure races really flourish in areas that tend to not, to be unused. They tend not to be accessed, not talked about a whole lot. A lot of people don't know a whole lot about it. I really haven't heard a lot about a, a, a race, a long race too, right? Am I correct? Is it 24 or 30, or 30 hours? How long is the longest day? We chopped it down to 24 this year. 24 hours. Now it's called the longest day for those who, who, are, who are listening at home. Chad, traditionally, we, it was always tried to be held around the, the summer solstice, always around the longest day of the year. Based on the calendar, it moves back and forth. It's in August this year. 24-hour race, Western PA. What have you found about that area that is unexplored? Because I've never heard of a race being out there before. Is there any history out there with other races? None. And that's what's, you know, and that's that's the challenge of race directing is like, oh, man, uh, you know, I've been through these trails before. I've seen these vistas. I've paddled these rivers. Um, sometimes you want to go back and, and show people the same stuff that you've done. Um, but you know, the real draw is like, what haven't I done? And what can I piece together out of places I have not been? Um, and so this race course really started on a map and it said, hey, where can we go that's going to be, um, you know, 
feel like you're really off the grid. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, races can be rural tours of small town America. And this one was like, how can we kind of skip most of that and really keep folks um, in the wilderness for as long as possible? Um, and I, it's gonna be honest, in Western New York, there's not a ton of completely connected, like unbroken, you know, off trail travel. Um, there's a lot of farmland out here, a lot of cows, a lot of apple trees. Um, but uh, down down where we were looking, um, we really have a big space to play with. Um, and that's really what the draw of this spot was. So getting to explore that, um, you know, be on the bike, be on the boat, um, you know, get, get into the woods itself uh, was a ton of fun. Um, and I think uh, I'm going to have you assigned to be doing some scouting, by the way. So good. good. Well, get your, I, get your snowshoes on. Exactly. Well, that's it's that time of the year, right? Because there is a pretty strong yeah. snow belt out there and there's, there's lake effect snow. When the when people are considering um, what races they want to do, a variety of um, factors come into play. And very often one factor that comes in is that, is this a leap from a, a shorter distance? I've raced six, I've raced eight, I raced 12. Now I want to make the jump to the 24 distance. Do you, what is appealing about the longest day for the racer that wants to make that leap into the longer, the longer race format? Um, and, and for example, navigation, terrain, like how challenging are they going to find it along the way? So we built this out so that if you are the season, like we, we want our season racers to come out and have a challenge. I want you to be there for the 24. I mean, I've been to some 24 hour races where the top teams finish in 16 hours and that's not really what we're looking for. Um, so we have a pretty challenging race out there, but at the same time, you know, you do the mandatory optional course split and those mandatory points will get you where you want to go. Um, you know, with a lot less difficulty of navigation, um, you know, less rigorous travel. Um, but still we're going to be keeping our teams kind of together the whole time. So we, our fast teams should be seeing our slower teams in transition, to be honest, if we're doing this right. Um, and so like, you know, we, we say we build it for everyone. I think this one actually does have a course that's really going to put people in the same, um, kind of, um, you know, as the crow flies pace. So, so, our, so our, it sounds like I always call those, um, the, the old books when we were kids about choosing your own adventure. The fact oh, yeah. that a racer could come out there and if a racer is, is on the pointy end of the race and if they can move quickly, they'll do just fine. A lot of a lot of vert, a lot of course, a lot of navigation. But for racers that are making the leap to the longer distance, it sounds like that they can make strategic decisions out there on the parts of the course that they want to cover. Exactly right. Um, you know, there's there's I'm not calling them shortcuts, but there's there's some cheat codes out there, right? right. And and you're you're going to be able to use those, um, but you're and you're not going to miss anything, right? So a, a lot of the big moments in the race um, are going to be our mandatory points. So and so we've built it around like getting them to those mandatories that we think are going to be really really um, a big part of the experience. Um, and then for those optional uh, teams out there who are going to go for the bigger longer course, um, you know, you're still going to have those same great experiences and and going to be challenged along the way you know and a large part of the the, the dark zone is a, a core ethic of, the, of this podcast is that we talk a lot for the newer racer we want people to come into the sport want them to enjoy it the way that we enjoy it we're going to get to your racing in a second because race directors are, are, are always no one no one goes from being a non-racer to being a race director there's always non-racer <laughs> racer than race director but and, and you bring out an important point there that we like to sort of hammer home a lot with newer racers is that a course is laid out and, and I'm going to pick a number out of thin air because I don't know the exact logistics of the longest day, nor should you say them, but say there's 30 checkpoints over the course of a 24 hour race, just picking a number. The actual teams that will cover and find all 30 of those clear the course is the phrase that we use. In reality, 
a small percentage of teams usually clear the entire course and everybody else has a certain percentage of, of, of checkpoints that they found along the way. And as long as you've hit the mandatories, you are still a race finisher. You're ranked, you get a score, you find out where you are. Um, a lot of people that come into adventure racing from other sports where you have to cover all 26 miles of the marathon, right? You have to run all 5K are kind of thrown off by that being the dynamic. Um, and so I just say that out there for the newer racer who's listening, you could definitely go to a big race. You could definitely take off a you know bite of a big chunk and see what's out there for you. Um, and I think if I hear you correctly, John, and, and feel free to talk a bit more about this, it sounds like to me that the race is intentionally designed to give people the opportunity to go the direction that they want during the course when it comes to checkpoints and distance and things like that. Oh, for sure. You're going to have um, really, you know, easy choices. Hey, you know, we're going to get really, really out there and this is going to eat up all of our time um, or we're going to take a more direct route. Um, we're still going to clear the mandatory points. We're still going to be, you know, race finishers. And I think most importantly, we're still going to get the full experience of the race. Like no one's going to get short course somewhere, miss out on a big chunk and be like, man, I wish I got back right. there. I wish I, I was a little faster. I wish I didn't spend too much time in transition. You know, we have no intention of, of busting people across the finish line because, um, you know, we didn't plan on something taking as long as it did or something like that. So the full, the full experience for every racer, no matter how much you want to get in, uh, is going to be out there. It, it's to that point. And, and Naira has his reputation as does like a strong machine adventure enablers, as does a roots racing they have a, they have the the um the knowledge and experience that the they, they take very good care of their racers and so if people are out there they'll have a good time and off they go um i will tell you last year's longest day a story i like to tell tough race held in the catskill mountains was kind of put together towards the last moment because the permits went away in connecticut and the whole team pulled together to put a race on one of the racers was lost on the course at 11 o'clock at night. And he called me at my house. <laughs> I wasn't on the course. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Brian, I don't know where I am. And I'm like, well, we're, he's like, I'm in the rear of the race. And I had a, we got him safe and sound. He backtracked a little bit and he took a longer bike ride, but he had a great experience. And it was very funny to have him reaching out to me during the course of the race. It's, um, it's funny. Cause you know, it, it's, that's the community, right? I mean, we all know each other. We've all been through the ringer doing this kind of stuff. We all know, you know, when our highs and low points are and, you know, helping out somebody from the community from the comfort of your home as, as you watch their dots suffering in the wilderness is, is what this is all about. There's no better place in the world than being with these people. It's it amazing. was very funny because I was watching his dot and we'll talk about dot watching in a second. I'm watching his dot and all of a sudden my phone rings and it's him. And I'm like, you all right, pal? And I knew he was lost, and we, we got knew. him back. We got you him back. He was like, "Oh, he's not like he's not where he's supposed to be." Just give me a call. Will there be live tracking during the race? Uh, yeah, we're working with uh, Mark from Adventure Enablers. We uh, just connected uh, last week, actually. He's got us on the calendar, so we will have live tracking, um, snail trail mail, all the good things we love to do to see uh, you know our friends and loved ones out there to make sure they're safe. And uh, I got to I got to tell you that the live the live tracking growth that we've seen over the course of the last several years of adventure racing has added mm -hmm. a whole other dimension to the experience. Oh, for sure. The, the fact that you could just sit at home and watch. And now we have the commenting during the race. And I know that the Shenandoah Epic last year did a great job with that. Glenn Gibson was one of the guys sat home and did a great job commenting on the strategy in the race. We're getting that real-time experience. It sounds like Naira is going to bring the same thing to the table for this race. Oh, yeah. We got a great team out there. Um, you know, it, right now, you know, it has as many people as we have on the group, we always kind of split it 
it just seems that half the people on our team will race and half the people will be there to support. Uh, and we got some great folks who love to keep people on track with what's going on in the social media, um, you know, excellent volunteer staff. And, uh, you know, everyone knows what it takes to make a good race. And we want everyone there to have, you know, that, that peak experience. Tell us a bit about your own resume. Where have you raced and what's it been like? Yeah, I, I started, I mean, I, I couldn't give you a year now, but it's like oh, over a decade of doing this, a decade and a half, probably um, starting off right out of college. Uh, me and my brother, Aaron, just kind of saw this on TV. Like a lot of people just say, oh, we're doing that. And then you pick your first four hour race and then you were like, what have I done? And then wait can I do another one? And then you just keep on going. So I, I've done a lot of my, the beginnings of my racing career was all, all throughout like New York and New Jersey. There was a lot going on there. Naira, of course, uh, has been around for a very long time. Um, I got to kind of cut my teeth with the incredible courses of our friends, Rodney and Amy, um, who were really kind of the folks who've gone before everyone when it comes to putting together these, these tremendous 24 hour races. And we learned a lot from them. Um, and so, yeah. And then you, once you, once you do what's local to you, you kind of get your three or four adventure races in, in your local state. Then you're like, well, I could, I could travel for this. So let's, you know, let's go down to Virginia. And then you meet adventure enablers and, and you do this stuff down in Shenandoah and you're like, Whoa, there's more to see. And so, you know, over a decade, I've been able to kind of see every nook and cranny of, you know, these, these various places that you, know, you don't really get a chance to go all that often. And you see them in these big doses really quickly and you get this amazing experience and, uh, you know, this sticks with you and you just keep, we want to keep going. So Virginia, um, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, um, everywhere on the East coast. I haven't gotten down to Florida yet. All these crazies go down to Florida and race across that state. That's, that sounds like a lot. There's gators down there. I'm not sure about gators. Um, Went what out to you, the Badlands? No. Yeah. North well, Dakota? That, what race out there? What race did you do out in South Dakota? That, oh, that was um that was the NARS championship. Tell us about Kreitzer. who did you race with? Who were your teammates? Uh that was Aaron, of course, and Julia Kreitzer. Um, it was just us three, and we um hammered through a massive course in the middle of like the high desert. Uh that place was bananas. Amazing experiences every single time. And like I said, the best people of the world. I don't I, I tend to forget a lot of the, the specifics of the races. I think, you know, you become a, a adventure addict because you got a short memory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like no one wants to remember all that suffering. You remember those high points. Yeah, if, we, if we remembered how bad the bad is, we'd never go back. <laughs> yeah. But right. you know, what sticks with you is all these amazing high points. So uh, going out to, um, you know, shout out to expedition Ozark heading out there in, in the spring, mm -hmm. super excited about that. Um, the, the guys came on your podcast and, um, gave us yeah, a Danny whole, and Jason putting a big yeah. race out there. That's going to be, gonna a, be, that's going to be a heck of a race. There's a, oh there's a lot of local support for that. They're working really hard. Um, swinging back to your race out in the, the high desert in South Dakota. Um, and if I, if memory serves me correctly, did you have some sort of, was it a boat disaster, pack raft disaster? What was oh, your, what no, was your no, big that what, was, what that was that Wyoming. Yeah. Oh, let's talk disasters, right? Let's, let's talk when things go wrong. Let's go. Exactly. Those are the best stories. Oh man. So, uh, um, Adventure enablers, they were doing um, oh, whatever that race was called. And I already forget. Cowboy Tough, Cowboy right? Tough, right? Cowboy Tough. It's got a three-day race. Um, big name teams out there. Big course. Um, and we raced, me and Aaron um, and a couple other folks who I'll remember in a minute. Um, but 100 miles of uh, 100 miles of canoeing day one. It was just river, river, river forever. Um, and I remember kind of getting to the end of the maps. We know that transition's coming and the river empties into this massive lake just as the sun's going down. And as you hit 
that lake, the wind picks up and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, this is not going to be, it's a six mile crossing on this lake. Um, wind's picking up, sun's going down. And these boats that we have were awful. There are these like specific racing canoes that were supposed to have like spray skirts, but we forgot about those and no one had them and they were tippy and awful. And as you cross this lake, all the only thing that's happening is water's just coming right, over, right. coming over. The, coming the only over. guarantee is you get soaking wet. Yeah. That's the only thing. And and it's coming to the point where we're like, oh, well, we're going to go under pretty soon. And okay. so um, we just made it to like the um, the side that we decided we're not going for the transition. Um, we're going to pop off and, and head to the coastline. If we can, if we can walk them up, we will. But if not, we're going to wait this wind out. Um, and I remember it's like two in the morning and uh, we got, finally got off land. Like we just made it before the boat sank. And I, I just pulled my phone and I called Mark, uh, race director. I'm like, Mark, uh, I think you might want to wake up because I think there's going to be some teams going down. Right. And right. he was not too happy that I, that I woke him up because, he, you know, race directors have just as long of a day as anybody else does. Um, but sure enough, like three or four teams, boats went down. It was a nightmare. Um, we got we got saved from that one, except we got back on the boats after the next leg and then quickly dumped them in a rapid had lost our paddles. We were in like a canyon um, and there's no roads out of the canyon. There was only a railroad. So we would have to, we hopped on the railroad track um, with our portage wheels and you would listen for like this, the, the tinging sound <laughs> of the tracks because when that happened, there's a live coal train. So it's seven miles of jumping on and off the train tracks trying to get out. Um, yeah, so it, so sounds yeah. like a, it sounds like a typical, it sounds like adventure racing at its finest. Yeah, but you, 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 you know, you, you get into these these situations and that any normal person would be like, I this is I I'm just gonna either live here or die, and that's it. We're done. But at some point you're gonna like, oh no, we, we just keep on moving and you keep on getting through and you figure out how to do it, and all of a sudden everything's a whole lot easier. So what what do you think that is? I mean, I mean, you're you're an educator, you work with kids for a living, you know, you you obviously thoughtful guy. What is the box that's checked for so many of us in adventure racing that brings us back to that time and time again? Yeah, I, I think we just, I think it's just like, a, a, you want to stay sharp, right? I mean, what uh, what other challenge is there where you have to be so focused, right? I mean, everything can hurt you at some point. You've got to be on task and, and on point. And you go through life, once you do a race and you've gone through some hard things, right? Not like a 5K, not like a where you're just going to run, grind it out, but you have to actually make decisions and you're going to have to deal with things going wrong and you have to figure it out because no one's coming to get you, right? I mean, and for our race, we will come and get you if there's a disaster. Just put, <laughs> right. like, don't, don't, yeah. If it's really, really bad, we'll yeah. come and get you, but the bar has to be really yeah. hot for us to come yeah, and get Yeah, but like, no, the expectation is you're going to figure it out. And then once you kind of internalize that and you meet that, that's a giant success that you really can't explain to anybody, but you've right. that's, that's in you. And now- you want that. I want like more, like you want that challenge uh, and you just don't get that in regular life. And you really have to go to these far off places and do hard things and, and, you know, have these kind of complex um, issues pop up in the wilderness to really kind of scratch that itch. Right. I mean, it's right. what it is. And, that, and that's part of the adventure racing vibe is the idea that you we're, we're intentionally right. Putting ourselves into these experiences. You know, we've had racers on in the past to talk about the privilege of adventure racing that we could choose inconvenience. That to, to some people, and I, I remember which, which guest said it, but for some people, every day is like an adventure race where you're always kind of fighting for life every day. And we don't have that. That's not our reality. And, and we're, we're blessed and we're privileged to have it be that way. And 
what many people do in adventure racing is, is that they, they, they thrive, they feed off the idea of the challenge. And the thing about adventure racing challenges is that they're so multidimensional, right? There's, there's, there's gear considerations, there's nutritional considerations, there's navigational considerations, there's physical ability considerations, team considerations. I mean, you can go right down the list of all the, the factors that have to go together. And if it's a really big race, getting to the race itself is a consideration between the bike boxes and the gear. And so all these systems have to kind of work together to give us the experience. And then we, and then from there, the stories take off. Oh yeah. And no one does it better than like a high quality group of adventure racers. I mean, the, the ability to problem solve, um, to work in a, like a, like a high performing team and, and, and move forward. Um, for some reason, being in the sport a long time, like allows you to really just kind of internalize that. And, and it, it, it has repercussions in your life big time. Right. Um, and it's really, it's really learned that way. I mean, I, you know, I, I've seen a lot of groups who have, uh, who come in from, from various backgrounds and, and have like, um, you know, either like, uh, like an army mentality or something like that. And, you know, top down, um, you know, there's a leader and there's, uh, the folks who listen and then we, we make decisions like that. But, but here the most successful people are the ones who are able to really just like figure out, okay, here's my strong point. And you guys are going to lean on me for this. And guess what? I'm going to lean on you for that. Right. And that kind of teamwork is just so hard to find in any other sport. Well, I, I we, mean, we've seen that. Like we've, well, we've all been in races where, because you watch other teams, you learn from other teams, right? Because this is one huge learning curve and you take so much out of it. And and I've been in TAs and I and I've observed as a as a as a helping out with races and as a volunteer and as a racer myself, I've observed the dynamic where one member of the team is like barking at the other three members of the team. Oof. And you could just see it just that's not gonna finish. Yeah, they're not you, finishing. You see it coming apart, you know. Yep. And you hear crazy stories like guys that get abandoned by their teams, teams come back to the finish, like we're taking the map, screw you, we're going oh. back, like all sorts of stuff <laughs> like that. And so your point is that is that if someone wants to grow as as a person, as a teammate, I mean adventure racing is a crash course on that. Oh, for sure. And it bleeds out in everything else you do. It's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I joke with my wife all the time. Like, I, I could do this because I'm an adventurer. So you know that, right? That's what I do always say. She hates it. But it's, it's so true. Like, this sport has been such a huge impact on everything else I do that, uh, yeah, wouldn't trade it for the world. And that's, why, and that's why you go back. Because, like I said, you can't, you, you know, you can't keep sharp in any other way in a lot of ways. Right. And, it's, and, and there's a physical aspect to it for sure. And I think a lot of people come in first and foremost thinking, oh, this is going to be so physical. So for, like, for your, you know, the new folks thinking about this for the first time, like, yeah, the physical, you, you want to be able to pedal a bike. You, you want to be able to hike up a mountain. You want to do these things. Um, but the most important part is that team dynamic, managing yourselves and, and, and positivity. I mean, like I've gotten through more bad situation because of positive teammates than, than any kind of, you know, preparation physically I could have ever done. And, and you're, and you're absolutely, you're dead right about that. Once again, for the newer, newer listener, uh, the newer racer is that while a certain level of physical capacity is necessary to do an entire race, I've seen people who, who have, who have struggled on the physical fitness side with the proper attitude, who had a great experience during a race because they I've wanted seen, to grow during it. I've seen people smoking in TAs. Yeah. <laughs> My first, my first race ever. I saw somebody like, like, and like, and like, and like grind out the button and the race started. 
Oh, it's awesome. I was like, yeah. who's that lady smoking? And they yeah. were going pretty fast. I don't know. So yeah. exactly. maybe, maybe I'm missing out on something. I don't You're know. Right. But no, you make a good point about that. The idea that like the, 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 the mental aspect eventually will overcome the physical aspect. Oh, and, for sure. And, yeah. and, but also we have to be honest, you could help your physical aspect too by training, right? You don't walk off the couch and go do a big race. No. And, and you also have your physical aspect by your nutrition. That's what you're eating during the race. What are you putting in your body during the race? That's the hardest part. That's you quickly learn that that's the race right there is who's eating the most. Right. Like for sure. People forget about that. Like the person who eats the most is probably going to do pretty well. Right. Right. Um, because right. I mean, the, the amount of calories you have to go through and just to keep your brain, because I don't think your brain has to work. Right. Um, and your brain just chomps down so much glucose along with all your muscles that it's like you are running on empty almost immediately. And um, that's the biggest part of the race. So new folks eat and don't just eat power bars. Like get those gas station donuts, roll up pizza and shove that down your face and just keep on doing that at times where you think when you think it's unreasonable to eat, keep eating. I I have a friend of mine who says that the, the the first thing that fails you in your system is your stomach. That if you're not, if you're not eating, everything else goes apart and you're not going to, and you're not going to muscle your way through an empty stomach. Like that, your, your that, brain goes, your muscles go, the whole, everything, that's what things go apart. And so it's not uncommon. We'll, we'll say to somebody, you're feeling really, really crummy during a race, have a Snickers bar. Yeah. That's like, it. Eat, eat something, eat something. And, and if possible, like take a little caffeine and we'll see you later. Besides like some kind of crazy injury um, that can't be, you know, solved with lots of Advil, right. um, you're going to feel your worst because of food issues. That's it. Right. Food and hydration. Um, yeah, no, like, I agree with that. So like those, those deep, deep misery pockets should have eaten something. That's all. Yeah. And the other part of it too, in terms of misery pockets, and you mentioned how you enjoy paddling at night before, how do you survive through the night? What is your, what is your 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. strategy when you're racing? Cause that's really when it's the darkest, yeah. literally and figuratively. I think the hardest thing to do to him to find him is, is like road is biking, like specifically roads, um, just because you let your mind wander and, and you get you get in some zone and all of a sudden you see snakes coming out of the ground and, you know, you fall off your bike. Right. Um, that I have not figured out how to do that besides just screaming into the night and, you know, trying to just, keep yourself away. Just keep moving. Yeah. Right. Um, paddling is easier because, you know, it's, it's less, you know, less of aggressive movement and you get time to talk because you're not just sucking wind the whole time. So, you know, our team will tend to, um, you know, play the actor movie game where, you, you know, here's an actor, what movie? Oh, right. now another actor and so on and so forth. Or uh, sing 90s theme songs. Yes. To, uh, yeah. And we I've memorized a bunch just for those occasions. I, I prepped for them to make sure that I can entertain my teammates. <laughs> You know, with Family Matters, um, <laughs> who's the boss, Full House, things like this. You know, there's a the and, and those are excellent strategy points to the, for the listeners out there. But I, I we've all had the moment which we're we're on a trail, we're on a road, and we're walking and we're we're making small talk and we're we're killing time, and you walk right past a turnoff. Oof. <laughs> You know, or you think to yourself, like, I feel like we're going, we're going the right way. You know, off we go. Right. So that's the, that's the, the challenge you run into. That's when now, you need the the angry navigator who doesn't talk to you and exactly. just gets into the moment. You need yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah. Who, who gets mad at you that you're all having a good time and they're looking at the maps. Shut up back there. I'm working. Right. So, so speaking of navigation, where do you fall in terms of that? Do you nav, do you, 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 when you carry stuff, like, like who's the, when you've raced, who's done the navigation? Um, if it's me and my brother, I will do the majority of the nav, um, uh, for longer races, obviously we switch up because it's, it's just too much. It's too taxing 
uh, on your brain to, to keep on doing it. Um, but the next race we'll be doing, will be actually be with our friends, Rodney and Amy and Rodney is like this wizard when it comes to maps. And so I'm obviously going to step back and let him do what he's going to do. And I'll get my chance to shine at some point. Uh, I love the navigation. It's my favorite part of the whole race. I love the brain work of, of looking at maps and route choice. Um, that is that's the real sell as far as the race goes for me. Um, besides the experiential stuff, like actually racing, this is the most fun way to race. Like I love, I love having the challenge of figuring out how to get there. Well, I hear um, from people who do a lot of adventure racing that it's, it's ruined them for any other type of event. Because once, once the direction, once the race director tells you what direction to go, marathon, 5k, 10k, even a bike ride, all the fun goes out of it. Cause oh figuring out God, the direction so is the way to go. I was on the yeah. treadmill this morning. I almost died. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just, I should just end it. Like, this is awful. I got to keep, you know, training, but I cannot, right. I can't just be here anymore. And your race is in April. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, so yeah. You, have, you have to train through, and and, and for the listener, uh, John lives up in, up in Northern New York state. You have to train all the way through the winter in your house and cause you have tons of snow and weather and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, now we got tons of rain. Uh, okay. so, so usually I'd be outside skiing uh, a lot of good, good cross country skiing up here, but there's nothing of the sort around right now. So right now yeah. it's, it's uh, Zwift, a lot of Zwift. Um, if it's a 40 degree day, I'll get on the actual bike outside. Uh, and well, that freaking treadmill sucks, but what, yeah. what's your favorite piece of gear? What's the one piece of gear that you absolutely totally goes in your pack no matter what? Oh God. Um, I got this, I got this coat from Mont Bell. Uh, they gave it to us. It's one of our sponsors and we got him a few years back and you can, you can zip the sleeves off. And I got this, I'm like, what, why would I want a short sleeve rain jacket? This is so stupid. And as soon as it comes out, all of a sudden it makes perfect sense because you're paddling, right. you're hot, you're riding your bike, you get hot, but you're still wanting to keep the weather. Up. So that one piece of gear, the short sleeve rain jacket has been the most awesome thing. Are you one of those guys that no matter what you carry puffy in your, in your jacket? In no, your bag? I don't need no. a puffy. You know, puffy guy. Not one of those I, I, guys that do that. I do. I, puffy guys. I mean, it's probably a good emergency thing, but you know, I'm kind of a big guy. And so I, I, I pump out a lot of heat and usually I'm just sweating. So I have enough layers, but no, I, yeah. If you are a puffy person, please do the puffy. Don't listen to they're me. They're out there. They're, yeah, they're, they're, there are people right there right now in the Sahara Desert who have puffies running during the course of the day. Not that you don't need it. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so you're, you're you're down for Ozark. You're racing with your brother. You're racing with with, with Rodney Lalella and Amy Bartoletti. Strong, strong racers. Oh, yeah. What are your aspirations for that race? Um, see, it's, it's been, it's been about a year and a half before I've actually been on a race course. I got two small kids right now, so it's, you know, become a little uh, few and far between. Um, so right now I, I do, we're looking at finishing, finishing strong. I don't know what that means. I mean, we have the top teams in the world are coming out. Columbia right. rates coming out. I mean, it's like, come on, um, any given Sunday, of course. And I'm training like I want to win. Um, but you know, when, like I said, the reason I do this is not, to be competitive so much is it's, it's to really get that experience and, and, and compete kind of internally. Um, and so I'm there to, I'm there to see a place of the, a part of the country. I'd never, I would never have gone before. And I'm super excited for the chance to do it. Uh, I'm there to be with friends. I don't get to see that often. Um, but also, I mean, as soon as the gun goes off, like you go into, it's you're in go mode. Right. Like it's, like I, I flip a switch constantly and I always kind of forget that that happens. I, you know, I've always been really competitive and I'm sure that, you know, that's going to come out as soon as that gun goes off. So 
We'll Are see. you one of those guys that really you enjoy the 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 encapsulated small universe nature of adventure racing? Like for the course of that race, for those five days. Cell phones are turned off, no act, no email, no one talking to you. It's you and your three friends and you're just racing. Because I know people that just absolutely love that. They love that their, their whole world is just maps and teammates and gear and food and travel. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we even if it's not racing, we I go after that as much as I can. I mean, we try to take take a, a good chunk of time every year just to get off in the wilderness. And we, I do it with my teammates, right? Because we get to do cool things. Last year, we went out to, uh, to Washington and to... Uh, the Olympic Peninsula um, and did basically an adventure race, a, a hike out, climb Mount Olympus, come back down, pack raft back out of the you know four four or five day trip. Um, just the four of us doing just those things, waking up, moving, moving, right. moving, maps, 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 go, go, go. And uh, yeah, just it's there's something so necessary about that uh, just to kind of center yourself again. I, I love it. Well, I'm going to come back to that in a second. I, I want to go back down that, that that conversation point, but I do agree with you that the um, as you as you progress through your your non racer, you try adventure racing. Very often, we become race directors. They do multiple racers, and then there's the category of people I call them racers who adventure. Oh, right? yeah. We just we had we had Kate Geisen on. Kaysen, Kate uh, told her story about her the, doing the Great Divide mountain bike route, and you build a set of skills that you wouldn't have previously that you have the gear and the skills and you could go out the Olympic Peninsula and you could spend, you know, X amount of days out there doing that, which is not for adventure racing. And not that you can't learn it other ways, don't get me wrong, but adventure racing, you pick up a series of skills along the way that you could apply to a large, large swath of your life. It's the barrier to entry on basically everything in your life gets dropped. Um, it's, if you go through a few years of adventure racing, and you do some of these, you know, these 24 or 48 hour races and, and longer, um, figuring out how to move around and do some of these bigger adventures becomes a lot easier, yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so it really just kind of, you know, enriches your experience, you know, as a human, to be quite honest, because you get yeah. to, Oh yeah, I could, I could totally go over here, you know, oh, I'm going to a new spot. Well, let me go check out what the trail system says. I know how to get to the maps. I know how to, uh, you know, access any permits I might need. Um, I want to check this river out. Let me pull the pack raft out. I got that, you know, right. I go mountain. So it's, yeah, you, you learn to, your, your race implements become your toys and you get to really experience the world in a whole different place. It's, it's awesome. The world literally becomes larger. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's so Bigger. much more you could do. Forget it. You, you said before, and I wanted to come back to it. You talked a bit about the importance of having that time away and kind of shutting things down and going off into the wilderness. Talk a bit about that. Why is that important to you? I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I, I keep telling myself, this is going to, I say, I got, I got a couple of kids and I might, in my mind, I tell myself, this is going to be good. I need to you know, set an example, do this. I, I don't know if that's going to pan out yet. Yeah, my kids are too small to see if either I'm, mm -hmm. you know, ruining them by, by going off into the woods or, or not. But um, I know I'm a better person when I get to, um, you know, challenge myself in these ways. And um, I, I'm, I'm not a solitary guy. I don't like being alone. Like I don't want to go off to the woods, like these solo adventure racer guys. I still don't get them. Um, more power to them. They're awesome. But I have no idea how you do that. No, I agree um, with that. I would, I would, I would struggle doing, we're, we're aligned on that. The idea of the, the, the team to me is the really drives it. Yeah. Um, but you know, being in your daily grind, since everything is so predictable, you know, you get into this mode where you're just like, all right, let me just go. And your brain kind of shuts off. And as soon as you're out of that space, you know, you get the chance um, to really slow things down. Like I'm a little older now. Right. And my, my parents just tell me, hey, uh, you know, things move faster once you have kids and you know, time's going to fly by. And it does. But it, it doesn't. It's not magic. It's because we, there's responsibilities. There's all the things you have to do. And, and just 
being responsible for just yourself in a high level because there's danger out there um, really slows the process down. So, you know, my, my week kind of turns into a month and you come back kind of a new person a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really something special that time, that time outside of the norm. Right. And, and also, too, is we, we, we get ourselves, we get stuck in these cycles sometime of work, eating and sleeping and raising families. And that's all very important. And it's good from time to time to to responsibly take some time for yourself to go and do these things, whether it be time out of Mount Olympus, whether it be time down in, you know, down in the Ozarks that, you know, uh, I live I live in a town that is very, very focused on youth sports. Mm. And I can't tell you, my kids are all grown and they're and they're they're wonderful and they're the greatest kids in the world. But and we had a really, really good youth sports experience with them. Um, very fulfilling, a lot of fun. And I remember talking to a lot of parents, though, who resented the fact mm. that their entire non-work life was wrapped around, you know, it was time for a lacrosse tournament down in Maryland and it was time to go up to Massachusetts for soccer. And those are all very important and valid and good. But they never gave themselves a chance to sort of catch their breath and take some solitary time for themselves. And I think that's a a balance that every parent has to find. And it sounds like you found that through your adventuring and your adventure racing. Yeah. I think it's made it a little easier to do that. Like, and like I said, having the skill set makes it easy to, to get out and, 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 you know, have, have a, have a quick weekend somewhere, do some climbing, something like that. Uh, and then once in a while have these, have these bigger, you know, these bigger missions, like these week long missions, uh, you know, they're few and far between, uh, you know, and God bless my wife for, for, you know, watching the kids while I go off and have fun. Um, but like I said, it, it, you know, it, it allows you to really come back and appreciate everything right. you have in a completely different right. Um, right. manner. Right. And, and I will tell you that now having I said my children are grown, um, how quickly that time goes. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing how quickly you, you, you feel like when they're when they're five and four five, six years old and you're managing them to bedtime and baths and, you know, and, and potty training in school. You, those The days, as my wife's grandmother said, God love her grandma, Peg, she would say the days are long, but the years are short. Mm. And all of a sudden they're just, they're growing up and they're out there. And I, and I, but I don't regret any of the opportunities that I took to go do cool things when they were growing up because it gave, it brought me back. I felt as a better parent. And I really get, felt that. You get to continue to do them now. Right. I right. mean, there you are. So now, you know, you're not going to be sitting there watching, watching Jeopardy at home. Like, right. You've got, you've got stuff to do because you've kept it up and you've invested a little bit of that time over those years. Right. And now, you know, and now that you, your kids are out there, uh, you're not stuck in the basement. Waiting that's for tomorrow. A, that's another that, that's also a valid point too behind adventure racing and getting fit and, and staying strong is I've always learned, I've always been taught that you're you're setting yourself for your next decade of success. Oh, for sure. And and when and as you get older, you know, and as you and you begin to age, and I'm I'm in my early fifties now, that I found that the when you go into the hole of running out of fitness, it's tougher to climb back out of it. And and you want to be careful because all of a sudden you're going to come to a point in time and a place where you don't have that fitness anymore and you can't get it. So you kind of have to stay on top of it because if it gets away from you, you're right down the rabbit hole and then that gets really, really hard to get going again. Yeah. So why not do a bunch of adventure racing and suffer all night and stay fit? <laughs> well, that's because well, the balance is because then you get to have a life of activity, right? That's the point, exactly. right? You just have to hope now that like your, your, your joints, your knees, your hips, your ankles, your shoulders, your elbows, your wrists, your nose, everything kind of holds together. That's the, the plan now. But that's that's a that's a conversation for my geriatric podcast. Um, so someone's sitting home right now and they've heard about the longest day and they're kicking around, getting going and they're and they're really thinking hard about it. What should someone be doing now? It is now uh, uh, January 12th, 2023. That's our current Earth time. The race is this coming August. Right. So they're eight months away from it. Regist- is registration open? 
Registration is open. Okay, and and before I forget, what is the website.org? N-Y-A-R-A.org. Very nice. Say that again, because I overspoke you. N-Y-A-R-A.org. Very nice. Registration is open right now. So now the the race is August. It's now January. It's a 24-hour race. What do you think someone should be doing now if they think they want to circle that race on their calendar come August? Yeah, right now, I hope you're enjoying the winter. Go skiing, right? Go snowshoeing, walk your dog, play with your kids outside be active, right? Um, we're not going to have any snow sports in August, obviously. So you don't have to worry about like getting on, don't go buy a fat bike. If you don't want to have an extra bike in your quiver, just right. so you can start biking now. Right? Right. right. By the time the trails melt off, make sure you can do single track uh, riding, make sure you're good with that because that's going to be a big part of what we do. Um, I've definitely seen some folks come to races, um, not prepared for that kind of riding. And, um, you know, things don't go well and they struggle uh, right yeah exactly um you know the th- there's going to be some some tough navigation especially on foot nighttime um if you've got a local orienteering group um cnyo central new york orienteering um capital region orienteering uh hvo go to one of their events they're dirt cheap um you know, and, and you're going to get a little bit of map and compass time. It's going to be an hour and a half of your day. And um, you're going to get the most important uh, skill there is, which is navigation. Yeah, and so, I, I can't underline that enough that for yeah. the for the aspiring racer out there, head to a local orienteering course. They're, they're, they're fantastic people. They're cheap and get a map in your hand and practice walking in the practice. woods with a map in your hand. You can Google orienteering maps if your local parks do. They they do exist. I do it often, and you can just get out there and just check yourself on your on your uh, you know on, on Google Maps, and just just keep practicing. That's going to be the most important thing. Um, you know, make sure you know how to paddle a boat. That mm-hmm. you know, I, that's not going to be your make or break. And the racers need, need to bring their own boats. Um, we are planning on using canoes right now okay. that we will, we will provide. Um, okay. There are some questions as to river levels in August, which we're working with local outfitters about that. There's a lot of water out there and how we go about using it is still a little bit up in the air based on what like the local beta is of, of that month. Uh, our original plan with this course was sometime in September, which is a very different yeah. river level than August is. Um, and so we're kind of working with folks now just to see what our best option is we would like to put people in canoes. That would be the best option. Um, if you are going to paddle a canoe, um, figure out how to paddle it with a kayak paddle. Cause that's the most efficient way to do it. Um, any top teams are not going to be using canoe paddles. So get yourself a kayak paddle. Right, nice. You'll be glad you did. So, so newer racers, when they, when they talk about, it, they're always puzzled by the fact that they don't get the maps right up until the race starts. Oh yeah. So, so uh, you can't say a whole lot about the course itself, but in generalities, what adjectives would you use to describe the uh, the, the course? Um, well, I'll talk about some of the, you know, there's going to be single track riding, right? And a lot of it, which is awesome. This best kind of why we chose this place is a lot of it. Um, that's a, that's a difficult skill, right? So riding on a mountain bike in tight trails with your map out is tough. So I'm going to try that out. Um, but the rest of the course is just going to be kind of big and open. There's not, there's a lot of, a lot of options, a lot of ways to go. You're going to be able to decide like we're not going to be in a lot of route choice, a lot of route choice. Yeah. Um, Especially, especially in, in some of the trekking sections. Um, I will, I'll throw this out there. Um, There is a part of this race that's going to be um, in some, some old oil fields. Um, 
So, you know, a lot of, a lot of shale out there, uh, which is, you know, consistent in that whole area and a lot of folks looking to get some natural gas out of there. So there's going to be some points where your trail maps are going to be confusing. Yeah. Um, so, and like I said, I can't stress enough, just, just getting on board with, with, uh, with orienteering when you can, um, just to practice some of that stuff, because there's definitely some difficult navigation in there, not so much based on like, um, you know, how hard the land is, but mostly, you know, how we've kind of used it along the way and, and what it, what it looks like now. And, and, and we're going to do our best with mapping that area as precise as possible. Um, but there's going to be some confusion in there. So, so, right. so yeah. Put, and, get that's racing. and that's, that's racing, racing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when, and when, and when, when uh, society decides to overrun certain pieces of the geography, it, it, it's all set from the map and they got to figure it out as they go along. And as long as they know it's going to be challenging like that, so be it. It's just fine. It's just a, a tracing, right? You got to figure it out as you go. I've done it all already. It's not that bad. You guys can be fine. Very nice. Very nice. So, so what other? Now, I don't want to put you on the Naira Pop quiz, but other what other Naira races we have coming down? Is the uh, the trilogy going on? Trilogy is under construction right now. Um, my brother Aaron will be running that one six hours in May. Uh, I'm not sure where we are in permits with that, but uh, Aaron's a whiz with that stuff, and I'm sure we're going to be get off the ground. He's the guy who uh, got our race off the ground in a matter of like two months last year based on our Connecticut issues. Um, so you can look forward to the trilogy race in May for sure. Yeah, and, and for those who want to, who are looking to dip their toes in the water, the trilogy is a race by Naira that has traditionally been defined. Uh, it's been designed for the newer racer that we want people to come out and to enjoy the course. And so that's really, um, I don't want to call it beginner level because I don't want to scare off teams. I want to come out and give it a shot. It's going to be a, a, a challenging course for anyone who does it. But for the beginner racer, it's going to be that distance it leans a bit more in your direction because six hours in adventure race flies, absolutely flies. Oh yeah. And yeah. I'm not, I will be racing that one. Just let Aaron know now I'm not helping you with that race because I'm actually going to go out and race it. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> He'll probably yell at me for that one, but it's actually a great spot for, so like people transitioning from like, um, you know, triathlon or something that you've got, you know, you got this, this big fitness space. You, 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 you know, know how to run bike and, and swim and, and here's a new challenge doing one of these six hour races is going to be like a perfect segue for you. Yeah. Um, just flip out for that mountain bike, um, you know, get some trail shoes instead of, uh, you know, those $300 Nikes you guys all wear. And, um, you know, this is going to be a great shift uh, and a real cool challenge. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I had the chance to uh, help direct the Race the Wilds Adventure Challenge, which is down in Lake Ker Kerwinsville Lake down in Pennsylvania. That was a five-hour race designed for newer racers. And that was a, a, another great experience. So for folks who, to your point, if you have a fitness space that you're sitting on top of and you want to do more than what you've already been doing, these, these short races really are the way to go. Five, six hours. I know that uh, a broad run off-road, Allen down in, in Virginia, just bangs out these beginner races one after the other. So strong, so good. A lot of family races, things like that. Um, so, John, I don't want to keep you. I want to, I want to you know, be thoughtful of your time. Um, you did a great job talking about Naira, talking about the race. Any other thoughts that you want to share about adventure racing? You have the megaphone and the entire world is listening. What do you want yeah, to leave I us mean, with? Yeah, back to people kicking the tires, um, folks who are out there thinking, eh, maybe 24 hours. I don't know. That sounds kind of tough. I'll, you know, and if you want to see what it's like and get convinced that, no, this is this is going to be good for me. Um, you think about volunteering. 
you know, the more people we have out there, the better we, you know, we don't need, we, a skeleton crew will run a race, no problem. Uh, but more friendly faces saying hi to racers is always great. And you get like a real time experience of what it's like to do the logistics and, and most racing is logistics anyway. Um, so if you're like on the fence, kicking the tires, like say, Hey, I'll, I'll like to volunteer and we'll put you out in a really great spot. And uh, you can see this all happen and you'd be a really integral part of it. So there's another way of getting through to it. I, I appreciate it. I'm going to Greg Prouty, who is the, 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 the greatest volunteer in the history of volunteering is going to be on the show eventually. He's going to talk a bit about that. And one thing that comes up when you speak with him and other volunteers say that is that you get to be a, 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 an eyewitness to the race up close to see who's racing, how, how it's going well. It's a great thing to see when teams pass through because the human spectacle in any race, whether it be five, six, 24, five days, it's really, really fun to see people who are, you know, on the rivet, as they say in cycling, right? They're really working hard, going as hard as they can. Um, it's a really nice thing to experience. And so for those of you who are debating it, um, coming out to volunteer at any race, call any race director anywhere, no matter where you live, if you can hear this, there's a race somewhere going on near you, give them a call and feel free to dive right into it. I would highly encourage that. Why don't we end off? We've been so positive the whole time. Why don't we end off at worse, worse experiences? Worst experiences. You can't name names though. No names, no races. Worst when did moments it get, in your when did adventure. It get really, really, really dark, right? That's the, the question. Um, um, I, I will share with you the second worst experience of my racing. I can't share the first worst one. I don't want to share because I would, it would, it would bug my friend out if I told the story about him and I was screaming at each other on in Scotland. So we'll leave that to the side. The second worst experience I had was the, um, my, my first multi-day race was on Tame New England. It was 2018. Uh, Grant Killian was going to be a guest on the show. Eventually like my, my white whale, my Moby Dick, I'll get him oh, on yeah. the show. Um, we had, my race partner, Jimmy, and I were doing is a two man and we had a really nice start to the race, big, long trek. We got the navigation, right? We transitioned and we were on the bike and, um, we were now through the first night. We were into the second day, right? And now this is, was all brand new for us. This was a long distance and we had been mentored by, by rootstock racing. And we were, um, we, we got turned around on the bike and we came into the transition from the bike to the canoe. Um, with like, we had to leave there in like 15 minutes to make the canoe. Otherwise we're going to get short coursed. And we were brand new to the sport and we didn't know what short coursing really was. And we told everybody we were doing this race and our whole families were watching at home. And here we are thinking that our race is over, right? It's, it's disintegrating. It's falling apart. And it, it was pouring rain, main, just tough weather. And Jimmy and I were just in the back of that, that semi just <laughs> feeling sad and pathetic and the whole nine yards and just like this is the worst thing ever and we're gonna embarrass ourselves publicly and i remember that feeling and we elected to to not jump on the on the canoe this is how things work out here's the, the moral of the story we elected to not do that canoe and we would have been the last team on the water for the canoe right mm. and how slow you move we elected not to do the canoe and instead we kind of took a little while caught our breath ate some food and we went on on the bike and we basically biked the canoe section we were short course right away the teams that went out on the canoe right around the same time we did spent so much time on the canoe that they missed the whole rest of the race because when they got off that canoe, they were told to bike to the next TA and the next TA and the next TA. So what was a terrible moment for us, we thought was a moment of failure. In retrospect, was a moment of learning and it saved the rest of the race for us. And we ended up having a great race. That was my lowest point in the race. I got the same exact story in a completely different state. Go for it. <laughs> We're back in Wyoming. Uh, we've gone through hell to get where we are. I, I, I mean, 
because of our, uh, this is the same, same race as the boats uh, dropping, losing the paddles, walking through the train uh, tracks um, and the positivity of JD Eskelson keeping us alive the whole right. time. Basically. I mean, this guy's a gem um, just happy about everything. Nothing's a problem. We're going to keep on going. At right. one point, the race director's just like, uh, they, they found us in some lost road in the middle. We're dead last. And the guy's like, do you want to keep going? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to keep Why on going. Why wouldn't we? Let's go. We're, we're racing. Just pound some Coca-Cola. We could go. Um, we have to go through this really high desert plain. It's lightning. And because you're so high, it feels like the lightning is like going to hit you in the right. eyeballs every time. The Haven't, you know, haven't slept in days and we're going to this TA and we're kind of excited. Oh, good. A TA. Maybe we can just like regroup a little bit, but the TA is a dark box truck in the middle of the desert. And you, you want to just wind everywhere. You're miserable. We have one more night to get through one gigantic 60 mile road to, to get home. And at, at, we have to check our maps and you go in and it's just bodies all over this check. Everyone has been destroyed. Like no one has made it out and they're just suffering here. Um, and you know, you have those difficult moments where, you know, you're not happy with each other. I think Aaron yelled at me. I have no idea what he yelled at me for. I can't remember that. Like I said, short memory for adventures. Um, but then we're like, we got to, we got to leave. We just got to get out of here. Um, Cause we can't, I can't stay here and I can't fall asleep with, you know, these zombies and we have to get our brains right in order to finish this race. Um, end up on some trail somewhere delirious with sleep deprivation. We get dead lost. No idea where we are. There's no cover. There's no trees. There's no nothing. Winds pick up to like 40 miles an hour. Uh, and Aaron has no clothes by the way. He has no jacket, no pants, no nothing, because all of that got lost <laughs> when the boat flipped. So in addition to the paddles leaving, Aaron has, we have no food, we have no nothing. Uh, we have two space blankets. And so the four of us hunker down under a rock and just shiver for four hours, awake the whole time, waiting for the sun to come up. And when it does finally come up, we've realized we've gotten so far, of course, we're not even on the map anymore. Right, right. Um, and so we're like, oh, okay, well, once again, that, that mentality, well, no one's coming to get me. I have no idea where I am and we have to keep going. Right. And, but that sun comes up, find the road, start biking back 60 miles up a mountain to, you know, that final descent home. And as we do, we see the people behind us being driven in cars because right. they didn't make that last cuddle. And here is this team that like we, we slogged it out the whole time, um, just staying just away from the, you know, from the, the time cutoffs. And we're able to just on our own power, just get over that hill, get it done when others couldn't do it. Um, and so, yeah, dark moment, but as soon as the sun comes out, it's pretty awesome. Right, right. And the, and the message for both of us is, is just hang in there. Like, yeah. don't quit. Like we didn't quit in the, in the back of that, that, that semi. You didn't quit when you were in that TA. Just keep moving forward, and eventually it all works itself out, and you're on the other side of it. Um, yeah, no, great, great stuff. And we're just we're, we're fortunate to, to have these pursuits. The podcast, The Dark Zone, is fortunate to have you on, John. We appreciate you being here. Appreciate the work you do for Naira. Want to remind all of our listeners that Naira, like a lot of other race directors, are all volunteers. They have regular jobs and regular lives, and and regular kids. Well, exceptional kids, but you know what I mean. And they. Um, they do the best they can. And so thank you to our, all of our race directors out there that do this on their own time. It's a challenging experience. We are grateful for that. Best of luck, John, at the longest day coming up this August, nyara.org. Check it out. John, thank you for everything. Thanks, Brian. 
Well, that's it, folks. As promised, John Corain, his energy, his enthusiasm. Head over to Naira.org, N-Y-A-R-A.org, to see the full slate of races. This June is the trilogy. This August is the longest day. Get out there. Enjoy all the races in your area. Find those orienteering clubs and Go take a look at USARA.com. That's right. This episode is sponsored by our national governing body, USARA.com. Don't hesitate to check it out, to contact them. Great resources there. Thanks again for joining The Dark Zone. Help us out by heading over to your streaming platform of choice and leaving a review. Uh, Click, like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody. We love that you're here and spread the word. Happy racing, happy training, be safe, and we'll see you out there.